Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Is hair a material? Are biscuits a material? Are crystals a material? Is plastic a material? Is porridge a material? Can gases be a material? Are eggs a material? Is water a material? What do you call everything that isn't a material? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at your question. And yet you continue to do so. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Handmade, the making podcast with real talk about materials. I'm your host, material scientist Anna Pajajski, and this episode I talked to Real Talk Royalty Kimberly Freeman about resins. Kimberly was guest number four on the podcast all the way back in 2017 when we talked about all things Bakelite and Kimberly's passion for collecting plastic jewellery, both the vintage stuff and contemporary as well. And now she's back on the podcast. For her day job, Kimberly works as a public engagement professional and is currently a Wellcome Trust public engagement fellow. You'll hear her refer to a bit of her day job at the start of this conversation. I started by asking Kimberly to tell me the story of how she went from plastic jewellery mega fan to maker. Um, so it started with uh, my obsession with one particular necklace. So um, there are some brilliant uh, people working in data visualization at the moment um, who uh, there was one project um that I really should have looked up the name of, um, but it was about air pollution. I will send you the link so yeah. you can do that magic. Like, here's the thing. Hello, this is Anna from the future. The artist who made the necklace you're about to hear described was Miriam Quick, working with Stephanie Posovec in 2015. And the project was called Air Transformed. Um, and it was uh, taking air pollution data and making it wearable. So if you imagine a sort of laser cut Perspex necklace with each kind of... Uh, kind of piece that sat next to each other being a different day's data mm-hmm. um, and it showed uh, um, bonfire night because bonfire night was this massive spiky orange kind of section of the necklace oh, cool. um, and it the, the idea was that it was um, sort of uncomfortable to wear as well it was supposed to be something that was making mm. you uncomfortable um, and I love it because I used to show it to people in my sort of uh, public engagement training that I would do as part of my day job and be like, look at this, this is so exciting. Um, and I loved it that air pollution people in London were like, well, that's not London because there's no Diwali. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is really nice. And straight away, they were like, I recognize the data. That's good. Um, so then when I started my um, Welcome Trust Engagement Fellowship to look at um, more day job stuff, um, and I really wanted to evaluate it. Uh, by making jewelry about what I was doing. Um, because I kind of feel like your evaluation, your, if you're going to show how something's happened, 
um, and you're going to write that up. It's really nice if you can do it in the form of the thing itself. Mm. Um, so because I am a plastic jewelry wearing person, I was like, my evaluation, my kind of evidence of what I've done should be in plastic jewelry. Um, and this was supposed to be the tiniest little side part of what I was doing. So I booked onto um, an experimental jewelry course at UAL and I um, went to a data visualization uh, course at the VNA, um, one of which was canceled, the other of which was canceled halfway through because oh. the world was on fire. Oh, yeah. um, so I decided I'm just gonna have a go at home and start making stuff yeah. and resin was the first thing I picked up because I thought it would be nice to make things that um, are highly customizable so I can make anything um, I can embed things in it um, which is really good if you're wanting to show stuff um, I can make different sizes I can make different colors your know, possibilities are endless <laughs> um, and uh, also for me as someone who's really like I was going to say handsy, and that just sounds wrong. Uh, <laughs> Not allowed um, during COVID, especially. <laughs> no, no touching. Um, I think a lot of the jewelry that I collect was sort of laser cut perspex, mm. which is super cool. But I never wanted to sort of make that myself. It felt a bit too remote with mm. sort of the computer cutting and assembly. Whereas this feels incredibly handmade. In that, you know, if I, I'm sculpting something out of Fimo. I'm baking it, I'm casting it in silicon and then I'm pouring resin in it, then I'm sanding it. Like it, it's all very handmade. And I love the fact that things come out kind of perfect because they're plastic. So they're, they're smooth and they're even colored, but they're really wonky and wobbly because they're also made by hand and you can sort of see that literal fingerprint, um, especially early on, because you have to leave resin for 18 to 24 hours, the resin I used to set. So there's a lot of fingerprints in the first stuff where I'm like, <laughs> it's been 12 hours. Can I get it out yet? No. Nope. Um, <laughs> patience is something I've had to learn over the past year. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it started from a sort of, uh, I guess, day job style. I want to be able to, to make things that, that communicate something. Mm. Um, and also, I guess, a bit of a sort of response to the world I work in is very sciencey, very sort of male, very let's take information and turn it into a graph. <laughs> um, and a lot of the information is about how people interact. Uh, and so it's like this this human interaction was a seven as if that sort of means anything, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I, so I'm like, you know what, this interaction was a bangle. <laughs> because that's just as useful um, so I guess it was a bit of a sort of pushback against the world that I work in of just like if you're gonna do things to this data which isn't very robust to start with when in some of the stuff I'm working with might as well make it into something fun um so it started as that and then obviously the pandemic hit and all of the other work that I was supposed to be doing stopped so this became pretty much the only thing I started doing and as I got more and more into it, the more I wanted to make stuff that was just for me mm. or for friends or for sort of an artistic output. So while I'm still, you know, day job wise, still do the data visualization stuff, a lot of the stuff I'm making lately has just been to see if I can and because mm. I want to and um, yeah, because I want to see if I can, oh, what happens if I do that or different colors, different shapes, different finishes. 
um, with my plastic jewelry collecting, I really loved it if I could find the same thing in different colors. Mm. Uh, so resin's just like, oh my god, <laughs> I can make a cast of my vis- my rented jewelry um, in silicon and then make it in all the colors I could possibly imagine, um, and that's far too pleasing, really. <laughs> <laughs> amazing I, I so love the idea of kind of just subverting this like quite dry information dry data and kind of making something physical out of it and something that is like kind of um represents you and reflects your character as well well also I have just calculate it so um which I think is how you pronounce it I think it's terrible that you have a thing that you don't even really sure how you say it um I mean I have the same thing with my name don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> different people have told me it's pronounced different ways um basically dyslexia but with numbers um so I'm very prone to writing a six as a nine and oh, okay. uh, wrong things wrong um and I really found it's never really been a huge problem um I mean it was a problem doing like a level chemistry because I sure. was too slow but um uh it hasn't been a problem in my in my professional career um but with the data visualization courses I was sort of forced to confront the fact that I mm. I really struggled to interpret numbers on a page um but making them either visual in like a a 2d image or a um a 3d image i the sort of narratives everyone else could see straight away from the numbers i could see so i've kind of been dialing into that as well of trying to be like i don't really get this until i make orbs of different sizes and then i'm like oh (laughs) obviously (laughs) very cool and then you might as well just wear them and show them off right um (laughs) yeah it's 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 really fun to be able to have something that's like actually this is my mood in February (laughs) (laughs) that's cool so um I have an app which you can record all sorts of daily activities and um one of them is sort of your mood your Mm. mental health tracker um and yeah it's really fun making jewelry that is that as well because it's very sort of hot on your sleeve but also kind of coded enough that not everyone knows you can be like this one day this red one bad day (laughs) (laughs) we shall not remember that day (laughs) (laughs) this one the glittery one good day (laughs) oh that's so nice so you mentioned (laughs) resins what are resins what what are these materials that you're using well yeah um there are lots of different kinds um which i think is the most important thing to get across Mm. and there's a lot of kind of resin um and if you talk to or you look at kind of resin forums and people who are into this stuff um you can quite often see people talking across purposes because using a sort of two-part epoxy resin versus using a sort of polyurethane one um is very different um there are others those are just two that i am most familiar with um but also every every one is different um so I use one, it's a two-part epoxy, so it's it's one-to-one. So I more put equal amounts of one part A and part B into a tub. I mix them for about five minutes, and then I've got about 40 minutes working time before it turns into goop. Um, and it's a medium viscosity, uh, which is just a lovely word. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, it's got a bit of goop, but not too much uh-huh. goop. <laughs> but it, it's, it's perfect for jewellery. Mm-hmm. Because I'm doing very small amounts, I'm not pouring too deep, um, and yeah. So the thing I, I the resin I use, I really like for that purpose. It's quite expensive. It's about five um, p per milliliter. So oh wow, it, it gets like if you were going to do one of those like resin river tables you see on YouTube, like that would be this is the wrong product for that. <laughs> 
<laughs> but a pendant is fine because nice. <laughs> it's about 10 mil um yeah so it's there's lots of different stuff out there uh, I'm not a chemist I'm very aware that I don't fully understand everything um but my advice would be if you want to have a go at this do but follow the instructions like <laughs> buy the kind of resin which is designed for the thing you want to do um mm. and uh be careful some of them give off um vocs when they're mixed oh. so volatile organic compounds um so they'll be perfectly stable in their bottles but when you mix one and two together they'll get that off so you need to be wearing a respirator mm. um some of them are food safe or sold as food safe some of them aren't mm. um like if you bear in mind this is a product that at one end of the spectrum you use to make a floor on a boat versus one you might make a little ring holder at home in your kitchen yeah. like read the instructions be <laughs> careful um, also a lot of people um have quite strong allergic reactions to epoxy um when they're using it so you wear gloves and uh if you get any kind of generally speaking in general any kind of swelling of the eyes <laughs> then seek medical help <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like a- that warning in. I feel like we don't give enough health warnings on this podcast, so I'm pleased that we've finally done it. Yeah, like just be careful what you're using. Like some stuff is designed for small batch use, you know, and doing it in your house is fine as long yeah. as you're careful and follow the instructions. Other stuff, like, no, that mm. is that is not home crafting material. Yeah. Um, always read the label. Always read the label. So yeah, do be careful when you're sort of saying it's a resin, because that's that's a whole swathe mm. of different kind of chemicals that are designed to do all kinds of different things. Um, so far, I've only had one disaster where I, I made a mess trying to pour into a bead mold, which just wasn't having it. Um, Cause it's quite viscous. If you imagine you've got like a round shape, if the resin pools at the top, oh, you just yeah. get air at the bottom and you're like, ah, and then you've got sticky fingers, even with gloves on and you're like, ah. Mm. Um, <laughs> And as a result, I left the rest of my resin in the pot waiting to be poured for too long. Um, And I think my resin is supposed to be like a two centimeter kind of depth pour before you get into trouble. Um, So this was sitting in like a beaker at like, you know, four inches and just started to smoke and (gasps) started to goop. (laughs) And you're like, oh no, oh no. It was so hot. Like it didn't catch fire, but... um, it's only happened once. So the reaction between them is exothermic. <laughs> yes, it's really exothermic when they um, <laughs> when you mix them together. So don't put anything in uh, that will get too hot. Like that's why you have to dry flowers and stuff before you ah, put them in. Right. Because it gets really hot. Um, but also don't leave like four times the recommended depth <laughs> in a jar for like half an hour because it's like this is bad um but yeah I have only done that once but don't do that good to know um yeah I wanted to ask you about your additives as well you mentioned like dried flowers what else have you put in these things oh my god that's part of the joy I have a whole plastic tub of things to put in resin (laughs) which is literally labeled as such (laughs) nice uh yeah you can put dried flowers in dried flowers are really common um I love mixing different colors up. So I have, um, one of the things I wish I could show you actually, I might like when this comes out, tweet pictures of it mm. is I've made myself uh, using a little chocolate mold um, color swatches of all of the different colors that I have available. Cool. And little hand stamped all the little labels and stuff. I absolutely love them. 
Um, so you can get powder colorants, um, like it's called mica powder. Um, it's often sold to make your own makeup or mm. make soaps. Um, you can mix that in. Obviously, when you're introducing a powder, you're going to get more bubbles. So you have to be careful. You can buy liquid colorants to put in resin to get a sort of uh, translucent finish. Get alcohol inks, uh, which you drop in to get like a marbling effect. And then silicon oil, which you can drop into that to make like clear cells in the oh. alcohol, which is really cool. Um, also, you're like, why is it so expensive? Until you realize silicon oil is also used to lubricate treadmills. And then you can buy yourself cheap silicon oil. Nice. <laughs> by buying treadmill lubricant and dropping it into resin. <laughs> All the top tips you didn't know you needed today. <laughs> right. Um, and, but I'm quite... Uh, I'm quite safe with what I put in my resin. Mm. So if you delve into the world of kind of uh, interest groups and, and Facebook groups about this product, you will rapidly learn that people put all kinds of things in resin. Um, breast milk uh, no. is very common. Yes. Why? I think you powder it first. I think you turn it into a... I mean, I, I haven't delved too quick because I, I have kind of scrolled past. Mm. Um, I think quite a lot of kind of memorial pieces but also sort of remembering that moment in your life yeah um so yeah lots of breast milk jewelry which is not my bag I'm not gonna lie <laughs> uh ashes human ashes yeah, are very that makes common. more sense to me than breast yeah, milk <laughs> um, basically if you um anything that you sort of think a Victorian memorial right kind of would have done yes alive and well in the resin community pet hair human hair yeah. ashes breast milk um and those are just the ones people are sharing kind of quite openly and like, <laughs> how would you do this? Like it's, um, yeah, I think because resin has this sort of perception of sealing a thing mm. for forever. Um, so you get quite a lot of commissions where people want to put um, funeral flowers in resin mm -hmm. and make a sort of memorial. And those things are really beautiful. I think very very daunting because you do only get one shot um you know it's there's a lot of discussion in those groups about how you know I'm not skilled enough to do yeah. this who does this you know I don't want to mess this up mm. um but yeah things in resin uh, you can start with very basic like here are some little sprinkles I bought from a website to yeah just straight up bits of human body <laughs> which <laughs> is <laughs> the more to my mind the more extreme end of the spectrum but um I also cringe at most of the Victorian kind of hair jewelry so I guess I'm there's just a line for me there about memorial jewelry which other people are more comfortable the other side of that's fair enough <laughs> normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, <laughs> what's the most surprising thing you've learned on your resin adventures? Mm, what is the most surprising thing I have learned? Um, hmm. The, I think because I'm sort of less technical in my background, um, the thing I've enjoyed most is uh, some of the kit. Mm. So I bought a pressure pot to cast under pressure, um, which obviously reduces the bubbles in things because the the pressure um, makes them so small you can't see them. Wait, so does it increase the pressure then or is it a vacuum chamber? What? No, it's increase. Yes, so... (laughs) So I've got a vacuum chamber, um, which you use to sort of suck the bubbles out of the resin before you pour it. Yeah. So you mix it up and you put it in there. Um, I struggle with that a little bit because the resin I use only has a 40 minute work time. So Mm. it takes about 20 minutes to get it out. And then I'm like, "Ah." yeah. Um, So I can see how that works better if you're using a sort of less viscous and also a slower cure resin. Like Mm. that's clearly the thing. Um, but then the pressure pot, if you kind of mix up your resin as usual, pour it into the mold as usual, and then put it in the pressure pot and let it cure um, at like, like 60 or 70. Um, I'm talking to my dad about it because he's a mechanical engineer, but also studied in the 70s. He's like, two bar, three bar? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that makes more sense kind of in terms of understanding the scale but also I'm like I don't physics <laughs> um, <laughs> what's the number um yeah so you increase the pressure and it um it squeezes the bubbles so that they are so small um... that you can't see them and also forces it into all the bits of the mold that yeah yeah you don't get to um I mean if the physicists out there going that's not how it works uh tweet me and correct me because I don't know <laughs> all I know is put resin in pot comes out shiny nice. <laughs> but yeah but that's been really cool like yeah. learning that kind of stuff like how to degas your resin and also how to um change the kind of properties as you're curing it um i think there are definitely sort of two schools of resin crafting there's the kind of home crafter making jewelry and uh putting breast milk in it and then you've got like the the guys with the with the workshop and the pressure pot and the lathe okay. you know they make knife handles um, right. and uh and i'm uh somewhere in the middle and kind of um we're currently house hunting and i'm desperate to find someone with an outbuilding so i can get yes. a lathe um, just just and my dad isn't helping because he's like oh i've got a little tabletop one you can have if you want I'm like, no my partner is already like no more equipment <laughs> <laughs> you've not got enough space in this house and I'm like I could get a little no I can't get a little late um I have to buy an outbuilding <laughs> yeah it's the only solution yeah um, <laughs> so um yeah I think that's the that's where I want to be I want to be up there with the with the 
super cool equipment guys that's cool <laughs> yeah for sure um so human breast milk isn't your bag where where do you look for inspiration instead um, I think from uh, a sort of artistic point of view rather than the data visualization stuff mm. um nature to be perfectly honest um like I found myself making things with the color palette of what I can see I think that's also because lockdowns meant I can't mm. go very many places um so yeah so like the other day I made some layered sort of swirly pieces that were sort of iridescent white and then sort of a glittery copper that we were all like snow on London brick roofs Aww, <laughs> that were that kind of cool. um that kind of color palette um I've made a lot of sort of uh kind of autumn leave color pieces um in autumn um so there's a lot of yeah natural influence I think pretty much all I can do right now is walk around the park mm. so like you were around the park take a lot of photos and you're like this color palette will be this week's work <laughs> um, oh, that's cool because yeah that's uh, all you can do but also the vintage jewelry that I spoke to you about last time mm. is a big part of my inspiration so I would describe a lot of what I'm making as the vintage jewelry that I like to collect but kind of dialed up to 11 um <laughs> so the celluloid chain necklaces that would have like little glass baubles on filled with string I'm now making kind of big chunky chain necklaces with resin orbs with things filled in them which are kind of the same idea but much bigger mm. much brighter um less delicate because a lot of those will smash whereas resin's quite solid yeah so yeah there's a lot of kind of taking all the vintage jewelry that I love and making stuff um also some uh vintage designers uh stuff that I'll just never be able to own nice. um, you know there's only like one of them and it's in the met uh, <laughs> you're like that's not happening so can I make a replica or can I make something inspired by it um like literally last night I poured a mold um which I'm gonna demold after this um uh of a an ostrich um which I carved because uh the circus collection of one of my favorite designers from like the 30s had these little tiny buttons that were ostriches with like balloons all over them sort of looked a bit like a, a burlesque dancer doing a balloon dance mm -hmm. only as an ostrich um so I'm gonna make a giant one out of resin wow. because I love the design so yeah there's um there's some of that as well <laughs> how does making all this stuff make you feel sort of what does it mean to you to be able to do this um it's an incredible sense of achievement I think um when when there's not much you can do so my health's not been great and the world's on fire so being able to make something does mean when you go to bed you're like I made that today like that exists and it didn't exist before mm -hmm. um I also just think I sort of need to if that makes sense yeah. the only time I've ever really um kind of connected with this it was an exhibition at the VNA it was the shoes one I think um and there was one of the designers speaking uh and he's like, sometimes you just got to get the idea out of your head. Mm. Like you just, you have to make it real because otherwise it will keep being in your head and sort of be very frustrating. It's like an itch you can't scratch. Yeah. So I think there's certainly also a sense of, I have to do this <laughs> um, because otherwise it, the idea won't go away until I get it out. And then I'm ultimately disappointed in it. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, and also sometimes um, you make it and it's hideous you know and you're like well I'm glad I got that out you know I got that done like this is truly disgusting um, like, no. um I made some uh sort of pastel I'm not really a pastel kind of person mm. 
So I was like, I'm gonna challenge myself creatively and make some sort of pastel pieces. And I made this sort of layered rainbowy kind of pastel thing that was sort of yellow and then orange, pink, kind of like a, um, more like a sort of spectrum, mm-hmm. kind of oil on water rainbow than a sort of traditional. And uh, it took ages to make because it was layered. So you have to wait for each layer to cure in between. And then I got it out and the yellow is so incredibly vomit colored mm-hmm. that I was like, this is just horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I've spent like a week on this. And it's um, so sometimes you just got to go through that phase. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess it's, uh, it's very grounding to be able to use your hands to make something. Mm. Um, it's, it just makes my mood better. Um, like if I'm feeling particularly rough, it's like I'm gonna go play resin. Yeah. Um, and an hour later, I'm covered in glitter <laughs> and much happier with myself. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh. Um. So when you make a disgusting, hideous, vomit-coloured piece of resin jewelry, um, presumably these aren't thermoplastic, so you can't melt them back down and recast them into something oh. else. Um, what do you do with the the hideous ones? And <laughs> what do you say to the plastic haters of this world who say that you shouldn't be putting more plastic out there? I don't agree with them, yeah. but I'm I'm asking on their behalf. Uh, I guess two things. To the plastic haters, I say there are ways you can make this craft less uh, waste producing. Um, so you will see people mixing resin on YouTube and stuff in disposable plastic cups, um, all that kind of stuff. Like I've got silicon cups that I reuse. Um, I've got silicon spatulas for stirring it, which I can reuse. Um, I use cocktail sticks if I need to fish bubbles out, which are nice and wooden. The only thing I currently haven't been able to replace is the little plastic pipettes, you know, like the three little oh, yeah. ones. Um, cause you can't clean them because <laughs> no. they are, they are solid, um, with resin by the time you finished using it. Um, but so there are definitely ways in which you can reduce your kind of waste product when crafting, yeah. um, which I think is just a responsible thing to do just, uh, for the planet, but also just for your local waste management facility. Um, but in terms of making actual stuff, I mean, I'm making stuff that is intended to be worn or used and, for a long time so um it's not as if I'm making completely frivolous things like mm-hmm. even the failures I've got a bag of failures uh which is stuff that I just was useful learning but most things I tend to repurpose mm-hmm. like I find that um I've got if I've mixed up like a little bit too much resin I've got a whole lot of molds that are little that you know I can fill cool. up with stuff and then um again um again i'll send you a picture of this like this necklace Uh is um these circles are actually the bottom of the mixing pots oh no way um and then like so yeah you can make stuff out of all the bits um which will be a a really big necklace so everything can get used Mm. i think um i think you have to be aware that you're making something that's going into the world for a long time um and you can certainly reduce the amount of pointless plastic waste you generate. Uh, but I was an archaeologist. Like, I love the idea of people finding stuff I've made in 100 years time. <laughs> yeah. So maybe I'm not the right person to be having that conversation Because <laughs> 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 I'm like, yay, it'll still exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what's the favourite thing? What's your favourite thing that you've ever made? 
my favorite thing that I've ever made. Um, so when I was little, I had a favorite She-Ra doll, uh, which was the mermaid one. Um, and she had a necklace on the front was molded onto her body and you put like a little plastic shell in the back and squeezed it and water shot out the necklace like amazing um and uh i think she was my favorite because her legs were together because she had like a mermaid tail mm. you could put on rather than like the really aggressive stamps of all the <laughs> um but anyway i was obsessed by this necklace um and kept being like i wonder if someone could make me one of those necklaces like the people i got to know through collecting jewelry i was like i wonder if they could do me a custom one but it's a really weird sort of 3D, like, sea dragon. like, mm. um, And so I eventually made myself one uh, by nice. crafting it out of Fimo over a resin blank, um, baking it, varnishing it, making a mould. And it's so huge. It, it cost me 60 quid's worth of silicon to make a mould out of it. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Sacrifice, <laughs> sacrifice a giant Tupperware to be able to actually make the mould in. Like, I spent literally an hour with a Stanley knife trying to get the bottom off the Tupperware. I was like, I will not be <laughs> um and that is probably my favorite thing because I made the thing I wanted since I was a kid um which yeah I made it myself and I love it and it I'm glad it worked because yeah it was a sizable investment of both FEMO and silicon that's so (laughs) nice that's my favorite thing (laughs) so if people have been interested it sounds like you've already said that it's very easy to give this stuff a go if you read the back of the bottles um (laughs) where 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 do people actually go to kind of buy this stuff um what do they need to get going um you need to get going is somewhere safe to do it and some some ppe i highly recommend getting yourself some gloves and some a mask if you need one um especially if you're going to do sanding, if you're going to sand it afterwards, oh, yeah. so you don't want dust in places. Um, so no, dust bad. Uh, so get yourself somewhere where you can be, do it safely. Um, you need a flat surface for things to cure on because otherwise things will drip everywhere oh, yeah. or you will get a, a wonky thing. Um, and then you just need some some silicon molds. Um, there are loads of them on the internet um so there are specialist uh, websites like uh, sort of house of resin where i got my uh, brush and pot from but also like even though it's evil amazon have loads um etsy have loads um everything from kind of your very cheap mass-produced it's a couple of quid coaster shape to it's 40 quid someone handcrafted a gorgeous hawk moth out of silicon kind of level so you can there's a huge spectrum mm. um and then you just need uh, a two-part resin um the one i get is yeah a one-to-one which is nice and easy for mixing um read the instructions are you measuring one-to-one by weight or volume because mm. those are different mm. <laughs> buy yourself some scales and, and a silicon <laughs> yeah so for about 50 quid i reckon you could get yourself um some molds, a set of scales, some gloves, some silicon tubs, um, and probably also a little pot of resin. Nice. Um, and yeah, in terms of kind of troubleshooting, uh, you probably didn't mix it enough mm. and leave it longer are the answers to every question. Like <laughs> you get kind of um, bits that haven't set and bits that have, you mm. didn't mix it well enough. So mm-hmm. the two parts were combined. If it's still a bit floppy, leave it a bit longer. Nice. <laughs> Those are the the two answers to every question when you start. <laughs> Probably didn't mix it well enough. Leave it a bit longer. <laughs> Kimberly's top tips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Read the instructions. 
Amazing. <laughs> so if people want to check out the the pieces that you've described today um or your your future um your future endeavors in resins um are you putting this stuff out online so people can see what you're up to Yes. Uh, so um, I have uh, an Instagram account I share a lot of stuff on. Um, the data visualization stuff will go live on a website when the project's kind of finished and I've made the whole year's worth. Um, I also tweet about it a lot, but also I have a shop. Um, so I do sell stuff, uh, which is another way of, I think, dealing with the um, sheer volume of stuff that's being produced. <laughs> um, sometimes if you want to make a thing, it's not really my style, but I want to make it. Yeah. Um, I have an Etsy shop, um, which has also been an exercise in kind of trying to retain control over stuff Mm. because I found that my normal advice would be resist putting a price on anything you make for as Mm. long as possible (laughs) because um, unless you're going into this specifically with a business mindset, if you're doing it for the love of making a thing, then it's really hard to balance sort of demand versus creative insight, all that other stuff. But what I found was sharing stuff on Instagram, making stuff for friends, just because I was learning and I wanted to get briefs from people. Mm. So I would have to challenge myself. Um, I kept getting messages saying, you make me this, or you make me that. And I got really overwhelmed by them. So I thought having a shop meant I got to decide what I made and what was available. But also I had an answer for those people. Um, But it doesn't mean that if you go on Etsy and look for Annie's Despair, um, you will see all the things I've made. the name comes from uh, the song Artificial Flowers, which is really sad. It's about like a little match girl freezing to death, making wax flowers in her house. But mm. um, the Bobby Darren version is really upbeat, which mm. I find really strange. Like it's a really like swing song about freezing to death. But one of the lines is um, artificial flowers um, fashioned for <laughs> the ladies to wear, fashioned from Annie's despair. And I always uh, thought the idea of fashions from Annie's Despair would be a really hilarious shop name. So um, when I started making jewellery for friends in lockdown as a sort of, uh, I had a joke shop in that they didn't have to pay for it. But mm. It was like the name of the brand. I called it Annie's Despair and that just sort of stuck. <laughs> so um, fashions from Annie's Despair uh, is a bit grim, but um, I love it. <laughs> so that's the Etsy. Um, what's the, is, yeah. that, is the Instagram the same? Yes, it is. But also my Instagram as well, which uh, is just Kimberly Freeman. So, Thank you so much for doing this. Um, oh, really it's fine. I hope there's on. stuff you can use. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we'll, I'll see you in another four years and we'll do another update. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably be like silversmithing at that point. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> we'll check in with you. <laughs> well, I moved on to Jesmonite, which is the... Uh, like resin is the gateway drug, right? I've already got a starter kit that I haven't had a go yet, but I'm so excited. <laughs> excellent, excellent. We look forward to the updates. <laughs> <laughs> it was really nice to talk to you. Thank you for listening to my resin learning. <laughs> Stir it more. Don't put weird shit in it. <laughs> so that was the awesome Kimberly Freeman. Definitely go and check out all of her gorgeous stuff online. That's everything for this week. As always, it'd be awesome if you could like and subscribe to the podcast to never miss a future episode. If you feel like supporting us with a one-time financial donation, you can do so at supporter.acast.com forward slash handmade. Thanks so much for helping to keep us going. You can say hi to us on social media, on Twitter at Realtalk, that's R-I-A-L talk, and on Instagram at handmadepod. As always, a huge thanks to Dave
Dave Shepard for our awesome cover art and to Alex Lathbridge for the music mix. Next week, I'll be talking to earth scientist Anjana Katwa about fossils. So until then, take very good care and I'll speak to you next time on Handmade. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.